Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the K-Fabe crew. First, the patron saint of the Rock Block, Mr. Jesse Baker. How you feeling, buddy? I'm a lot less frog voice than last week. I'm feeling just fantastic. Ooh, you sound silky and smooth. I like it. I like it. How about the skater supermarket himself, Wesley Lawson? How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing pretty good this time. How about you, man? Hey, you know what? I'm alive, and uh, we had some really good wrestling to consume for once on this show that we can talk about. So I'm I'm really, really excited. Okay. Okay. So here we go. So, oh, yeah, you guys did the uh, you did your indie show this past weekend. How did that go? I thought it went really great, man. Um, we, we had a fantastic time at the TWE Arena down there in Red Bank, just outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, it was a very glorious drive that Wes and I made. Beautiful drive. Yeah, man, so good. Uh, a couple of great events, Scenic City Futures Tournament, sponsored by Action Wrestling. Tons of fantastic indie talent. Uh, you know, I know the spot that stood out the most, and I, I want to let Wes talk about it because I think he'll be more animated than me. <laughs> but overall, um, the the daytime card was fantastic. TWE had a stellar show that night. A uh, thousand standouts, a lot of the same indie guys that I'll praise all the time, such as Brett Ison, O'Shea Edwards, um, countless more, countless more. Uh, and our own our own uh, guy from Revive, Alex Kane, was in the tournament himself, and that was Ooh, pretty nice. cool to see. The Suplex Assassin. Yeah, but Love the it. the spot that he was talking about in the tournament. Uh, it was it was what mat what matchup was it actually during? It was the triple time? threat during the during the futures tournament, and it was Nolan Edward versus Jack Griffin and Alex Kane. It was it the first or se- it was the it was the fir- it was that first round matchup. It was the match that Alex Kane was in. It was first and round. It was the second match. Second match. Alex Kane was on the outside during this match, and then. <laughs> what, okay, Nolan Edward he picked up the. Jack Griffin. Jack Griffin, the skinnier guy. Yeah, he picked him up, and in classic spot, he's carrying he's carrying him like over shoulders, like you think he's gonna go for the Undertaker snake eyes. Like I'm thinking, he's yeah. walking over the turnbuckle, yeah. and give it the ring is probably about two feet from the wall. Oh shit! And I'm thinking he's going for the snake eyes, and then out of nowhere, he just throws him out of the ring, like against the wall, onto Alex Kane on the outside. It was. It was just like Epic. a lawn dart, and it came out Epic. of nowhere, and it was like probably the coolest spot that I've seen. Like a Kevin, a Kevin Nash, Ray Mysterio spot almost. Pretty much, like it's like, yeah. you, but he the way he set it up, like you completely thought he was going for the turnbuckle, and just boom out of nowhere against the wall, and it was like right next to a TV. The guys in the front row were all like falling back. It was uh, that's yeah, awesome. It's probably one of the, I mean, probably the one of the best spots I've seen in a while since we haven't had any really many live shows to go to recently, but it was still. That whole room, not only – I mean, they popped for that spot probably more than anything else on that show, but also Nolan Edward and Alex Kane facing off in the middle of the ring, the chance of no flinch for Nolan Edward and suplex for Alex Kane. Yeah. Back and forth were the loudest chants in that room the entire day. It was, it, it, it was a really stellar show. They put it together. Action did a great job, as did Scenic City Invitational Crew and uh, the TWE Arena and their staff. It was all fantastic. Awesome, man gotta love hearing that you gotta love hearing that pro wrestling during even during like a pandemic is finding its way in in the in the niche world that we live in now you know what i mean it's just so weird with like you know nobody can really go to shows unless they're outside and like it's just nice to hear that like indie guys are still getting to work and like there's still a product being put out there other than aew or wwe 
Uh, but with that said, let's jump into some WWE stuff. <laughs> Uh, this past uh, Sunday, we thought, we assumed, I assumed at least, that it was going to be on Saturday. My bad. I said that the takeover was going to be last Saturday, but it was Sunday, which kind of threw me off. I don't know if they're just doing that because of, I don't really know why they did that, but it was nice to see it on Sunday, I guess. Anyway. Uh, third, third brand, you know, like they want to yeah. not, not make it the junior show anymore. Yeah, I get that. But I feel like having them on Saturdays is a better fit. Like, I don't know. I just, I feel like I like it. I like that they're different. Um, I also like that most AEW pay-per-views are on Saturdays, too, because I do feel like that is the rivalry, if you will. Um, but, yeah, man. What do you think of it? What do you, does it matter to U.S. Sunday versus Saturday at all? I kind of prefer the Saturday pay-per-view because you stay up late usually, and then yeah. I hate waking up Monday morning like after staying up to like 10 or 11 on a pay-per-view. And sometimes, you know, those WWE shows, oh, God. they can go for like four, five, six, you know, they'll... Yeah ridiculously long yeah but this one was not ridiculously long i even like that the pre-shows are only 30 minutes uh again i am that big of a nerd and i did watch the pre-show uh stanford and roberts on the pre-show panel i think they have a really good chemistry i think sam roberts like doing the heel commentator thing is always entertaining to me um and like i i like how they've been booking uh the undisputed era now with kind of turning half of them face really uh, i feel like there's an obvious split that's going to be happening pretty soon there um, but yeah, I, I feel like they did a much better job building O'Reilly to get this title shot in these packages than they built Jey Uso to get his title shot on the main card. You know what I mean? They did Agreed. such a better job, like to make him look like a viable, um, opponent. Um, but yeah, we'll get there On to the main show, man. Uh, I loved the opening package and I do like the look of the new CWC. Jesse, what are your thoughts on that? Dude, I loved it. I think it, uh, sets... I think what they tried to do with the vibe of something like a Raw Underground or whatever, like where they tried to make it look a little more, um, just a little different and set it apart. I think they succeeded in this instance. And the wall Zoom calls versus the, you know, the Thunderdome tiered video walls and things like sure. that. For whatever reason, with the chain link, with the crowd, with all that stuff, I didn't mind the walls. I, there, there were a lot of people that shit on it, but. I thought it looked great. I really loved the vibe. I thought, I mean, production-wise, I thought that it was miles away from what they've been doing. Yeah, Wes, what did you think, man? Yeah, I, th I thought it, like, definitely gave it a fresh look, kind of gave it its own unique feel. I was definitely digging the vibe, but I definitely thought it was a little weird that they still had fans there chanting along with the fake audio piped in. It just kind of, kind of felt off, like, at some points. But besides that... I really yeah. do. I dig the look. It kind of looks like a giant steel cage in a way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I dig the vibe of it, too. It, it kind of has almost one of that, like, old-school roadhouse kind of feel to, like, the venue. Yeah. And I really, really like the opening package with, like, the old history stuff. I'm really into, like, pre-WWWF, like, kind of history stuff. I'm really into that stuff. So, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, match number one on the card I also enjoyed quite a bit. It's uh, Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. Uh Wesley, what do you think about this one, man? I mean, yeah, I definitely thought overall was a pretty solid match. Uh, I haven't really seen – I've only really watched a few of Damian Priest match since he's been in WWE, but I thought that they worked really good together. And I am really like uh, his new finisher, like the sit-out choke slam. I guess he calls it the South of Heaven. Yeah. I really wish he would use that instead of his the crossroads, basically, is what he does. <laughs> so – I really think he should go with that new finisher. I thought it was really cool, and there are some like, some pretty good spots in the match. I like 
Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of, yeah, I mean, sorry, I can't really think of any words to describe it right now, but like, uh, it worked, like they worked, they worked really well together and everything, but I just not really digging the whole, uh, heel run for Johnny Gargano because like he keeps losing, but he's a heel, but he's him cheating to winning is not helping him win. It's just, it's not, it's not really working for him. Yeah, no, I agree. I totally don't really buy Johnny Gargano as a as a heel either. Um, overall, though, like, okay, so instead of like thumbs up, thumbs down, like if you had to give it like a letter grade or like a star rating, what would you give it? I mean, I'd probably just give it a B overall because it was a good yeah. match and there was a good story and everything yeah. like worked together. Like, I mean, yeah. I like the little like interference spot where he tossed the security in the way for the dive, which he like somehow yeah, tossed. I loved that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he th- there was some nice little spots in there that worked. I mean, like, and it was a great match. Like they both. Like re- work yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I just, I guess it just would have worked better if Gargano could have got the win because he's been doing his whole heel thing for a while and it hasn't really been paying off, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, I believe that he is probably didn't get the win because he's going to get drafted, but we'll we'll get to that later on in the show. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about this one? I think that both guys worked more towards the style that it seems like they should be working during this match. Like this is the first example of Gargano, in my opinion, actually changing his in-ring style to a sufficient amount of chicken shit heel tactic. Yes. Um, yeah. There are a lot of like leg jerks and just kind of snaky things that he pulled out. Uh, Priest, I thought worked a little bigger. And granted, there's still some top ropey things and some topes and whatnot, but yeah. I but the more that he engenders himself towards that bigger man style, the more successful that dude's gonna be. I really wish he would get rid of that arrow motion shit. Yeah, I hate that shit too. It it just seems very contrived. It's like you're in a play or something. Um, my my biggest takeaway from it was that you know Priest came off looking great. Gargano finally seemed a little heelish. Truly, during the match, I still don't love it, but it was the best example of it so far. He also pulled out a Tequila Sunrise, which, you know, old school yeah. video game Conan Mark. Yeah. Fan <laughs> of. Um, but overall, I mean, for me, letter grade, it, I, I, I'd have to, I'd, I'd say probably like an A minus. I think that it did what it needed to do for both guys. And with the pending draft, like who knows what's going to happen or whatever. But I think that they've got Priest kind of on the right track. I do hate the crossroads thing too, though. That was also in my notes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's especially considering how popular Cody really is. Um, I just don't think he should be doing the move. Period. Um, just it's not even that he does it poorly. I think he actually performs it well. It's just I don't know. It's I don't know. It'd be like somebody doing this. It'd be like somebody at WCW doing the Stone Cold Stunner. Maybe like Disco Inferno or something. Let's go I don't know. <laughs> But, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. It, 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 that's that's what it feels like. It feels like how you felt when you saw Disco Inferno do the Stone Cold Stunner. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, man, like I absolutely loved this match. I thought it was really good. I thought that um, again, I've been very critical of Johnny Gargano as a heel, and I agree, like with his promos and like the fact that him cheating to win and he doesn't win uh, is not doing him any favors. But I do think this was the first match where I felt like he was truly working as a heel, and I thought he did a great, great, great job of that. Uh, this go round, I, I dude, if like if I'm giving this a letter grade, this is a you know really high up there for me. I'm gonna say probably an, a solid A, maybe not quite an A plus, just because I did feel like it dragged in a couple spots. Um, but I absolutely loved this match for sure. Uh, to be honest with you guys, uh, for the most part, I really enjoyed this card, so I feel like it's gonna keep on rolling. Uh, let's just go ahead and jump to match number two here. It's Kushida versus the Velveteen Dream. Jesse Baker, what do you think, man? Um. Blooms off the rose on Dream for me, man. Um, 
I like the thing that sucks about that is that his work is still good for yeah. the most part. There was a weird spot where he dropped the elbow and sold the other arm. Didn't really get that because uh, he had been hurting the other arm the entire fucking time. And like, I don't know. That was a little weird. The costume thing, like when you're doing the Rick Rude nod, when you're doing some things that are getting in your opponent's head and kind of painting the walls or whatever, that's one thing. When you're literally just doing cosplay of a character from a movie, and I mean, it just looked really out of place. I thought it was a little too comic booky, a little too cartoony for me. But I also think he's got a lot to accomplish. Like, it's almost, as much as I hate to say it, like, I think something's got to happen to completely repackage his whole shtick in order for him to be able to come back in any respectable way. I think that there's just a little bit too much looming over the guy. Uh, I will say, I think that this was Kushida's most interesting match in his WWE tenure to date. He went super strong style and a little bit like, I thought it was a little bit more varied than normal. A lot of really great counters. Um, you know, I like the finish, but overall the match for me was kind of like right dead in the middle, probably right about a C. Okay. Wes, what did you think, man? Uh, if I'm going to go letter grade, I'm going to go right about a C, too. That's exactly what I thought. It's because I thought the match kind of started off pretty sloppy. Like, it just kind of seemed like they just kind of sure. didn't really know what they were doing at first. But then it picked up. It got stiff. Like he said, he got real strong style. And, like, it's probably one of the most aggressive I've seen Kushida on since he's been on WWE. He, like, definitely – maybe I think that's what they were trying to show in that match is him trying to show that aggressive side and show that he's, like – serious he's not joking around anymore i think they kind of alluded that on commentary a little bit and uh but yeah it was kind of like start off kind of just kind of sloppy to me but picked up got better and I, I literally have a note that says dream sucks but can work like he can like he can he can go in the ring it just sucks because he's a turd in real life you know oh, and uh, i did notice at the beginning of the match uh he gave a super duper hbk sale Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He just he jumped across the ring. I was like, "What the?" I was like, "All right." But uh, besides that, yeah, that's all I can say is like it's about a solid C. Like Kushida, it it definitely helped him, built him. But yeah. what can you do with Velveteen Dream? You know, boys. I think you're both turds. I thought this match was an absolute banger. <laughs> I loved it. I loved the way I loved the way it started off because to me he was doing like the Macho Man Maniac thing. So you say sloppy, but him outside the ring, like wildly throwing like the chair in, but then like begging the referee. Like to me, this was very old school, like almost late '80s, early '90s, Velveteen Dream style. And I personally, I dude, I honestly think it's all booking with him. I think if you just book him as strong as you used to book him. Like he's still the guy. I, I think he's great on the mic. I love I love the shtick. I actually love the Doc cosplay because to me it's like, I mean, Kushida's whole thing is that he's Marty McFly. He's like the Japanese Marty. That's his whole vibe. So it's like he comes out as Doc like and be like is obviously bigger than him. And I don't know. I just I loved it. I thought it was great. I loved the match. I thought the chemistry was great. I thought the vicious side of Kushida was the best thing that could have happened to him. It does kind of almost seem like it's turning into a heel turn too after the match which is good. I think Velveteen Dream could really benefit from a babyface run. Like, I don't really know how you could turn in babyface right now. But but you see what I'm saying, though? Like, that's, I feel like that's what he needs. Like, he needs a good babyface run. I don't know how you're going to do that. It might take some time to build him up. Um, but I think that's kind of what they're down, doing. I think, you know, he's, he's going to be doing some jobs for a while. And then I think that, like, eventually they'll get him the right spark and he'll say the right thing because he is good on the mic and he'll get a good babyface run. I, I do think it's going to happen. I do think that guy is definitely a future star. Um, I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Velveteen Dream. So overall, for me, 
match got an A minus because it did drag again. Like both these matches kind of dragged in the middle a little bit. Like and it wasn't even like slow down. I understand the tempo and like you have to you know build it up and break it down. But like when when they slowed it down, it did feel like um, not like not sloppy, but like chunky. If that makes sense. Like it felt yeah, like not, really not fluid. I guess yeah, it's not saying, yeah, not yeah. flowing very well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for me, overall, an A, maybe A minus, but I absolutely loved the match. Uh, and then up next, we have, have like a major announcement here that uh, Halloween Havoc is uh, is coming back on the 28th. And wow, like what a dig at AEW, I feel like, right? Because it's yes, actually a exactly TV special. It's on Wednesday. Like they're not doing it on a, it's like a takeover. Like, I don't, especially after the Bash of the Beach thing. Jesse, give it to me. What do you think, man? I think that, um, I mean, if they're going to do it, I love the idea of having Shotzi as a host. I, I've been following her career pre-NXT for a long time, and I know that that was something she actually had aspired to do for some time when she thought that she was too injured to continue wrestling. Um, I'm obviously a huge mark for Shotzi as well, so you know, I'm, I'm all for that part of the idea, although you're kind of taking one of your best women wrestlers off the table, I think, in that realm where your division is starting to look weaker and weaker by the day. So I kind of wonder if that's not a, a kind of a bad idea, but I mean, obviously it's a dig, you know, it is what it is. Like who fucking cares? I mean, I, like they don't, if they do anything like the build to this pay-per-view, which was very little and very like week to week, then it's going to be the same thing. There's just not going to be a whole lot of meat on the bone, you know? No, I agree. I agree. But I do like the idea of the Halloween Havoc thing. I think they do have the right kind of uh, roster in NXT to kind of pull off some gimmicky stuff down there uh, without it being too cheese. You know what I mean? Like they could have some gimmick style matches I could see happening, maybe even like a buried alive match or something like that. I feel like they could probably pull something like that off. I don't know how you would do it in such a small space, but um or like probably like a casket match or something like that. You know what I mean? I feel like I feel like they have the roster to pull it off. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, but on to the next one, man. One of my unsung heroes, uh, Swerve, Isaiah Swerve Scott versus uh, Escobar. What is his first name? Santos. Santos. Santos Escobar. Yeah. So he was El Fantasma, right? And yeah. now he's he's like the uh, now Spanish his whole clique is Latino called Latino Mafia Fantasma. deal. Oh, I get it. Del I get it. See, that's all right. I was—I I didn't understand that. I didn't understand how they were calling using the name still, but okay, now it makes sense. But yeah, Wes, what do you think about the match, man? I, I really enjoyed the match uh, because basically it was very reminiscent of Lucha Underground. If you ever watched that, because this is Kill Shot versus King Cuerno, and oh, yeah. that's basically they actually worked a pretty good program in Lucha Underground. If you remember, if you ever watched that, yeah. and so they. They just kind of went back to what they the same what thing, they do. Yeah. yeah, they just basically did their thing. It was like I really liked that Hurricane Rana spot where he sent where he sent him into the into Mendoza and the other dude on the outside. Yeah. That was pretty okay. sick. Uh, I really liked. I mean, Isaiah Scott at the 450. I mean, everything was yeah. And like at the end, they had that whole thing where his head was supposed to hit like the bolt that was exposed, and that was a little bit confusing. But I mean. Besides that, it was, I mean, a solid match. And then I think, uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, Isaiah Scott's like the first person to ever kick out of his finisher, right? Yeah. Or I think they put that over on commentary. Like, oh my God, no one's ever kicked out of that. And I thought that was pretty crazy because I haven't been really keeping up with NXT TV. Yeah. Like too hard lately, but I've been keeping up with the takeovers. 
And I guess, like, I mean, this dude's been, like, running the cruiserweight division for this, like, past few, like, I don't know how many months, pretty much since WrestleMania, right? Yeah, I mean, after the whole, you know, yeah, so when I they mean, replaced it, the cruiserweight, um, I guess, what, was it just a tournament or whatever? Yeah. Because Devlin yeah, he is, won the tournament, the and then he unmasked, and then he was the mystery guy, and yada fucking yada. Yeah, well, so the whole, the fact that, you know, they, like, Swerve didn't look weak in this matchup. It, like, you know, the fact that he, you know, had he hit the 450, he kicked out of his finisher. Like, I think they're they're probably definitely going to build him up and probably push him. I would love to, I would, like, hope to think they would. Yeah, I mean, I hope so, too. I'm a big fan of Swerve, man. I think that I, I really like this match. To me, it felt like a very original X Division style match from, like, those early days, you know? Like, it was just uh, kind of balls to the wall the whole time. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, this is three out of three. Loved, loved, loved it. I thought it was a really good match. I, I actually did think that this would be the spot to put Swerve over. Um, but I understand that you've also got Escobar, like, really running high and, like, kind of making that championship mean something for the first time since, like, the first Cruiserweight Classic. So, um, yeah, man, overall, like, didn't hate it. Again, I wish Swerve would have gotten the win, but that's just me being a mark for Swerve. Jesse, what do you think? All right, so... I'm going to back it up one second right before that Halloween announced that dope ass action figure commercial, which is probably the best toy commercial I've ever seen. I don't know if you guys noticed that. I missed it. I must have missed it. It was the Mattel Elite commercial that they just put in right before the Halloween Havoc announcement, but they were doing like mocap moves. Oh, yeah. I saw that. With the action figures. That was a great touch. Um, I have a bone to pick with this match, and it's not really the match. I love the match. Um, There was a lot of staging. That was probably the only thing that I really didn't like. Um, I thought the heel interference stuff was really good. Commentary kind of pissed me off because they kept on being, you know, referencing, man, Shane's going, uh, or Shane, sorry, Isaiah's going uh, a yeah. much larger Lucha Libre style or whatever. He didn't change his style at fucking all. That's yeah, just always that's, how he wrestles. Yeah. They were just, they were trying to capitalize on the Lucha Underground thing is what they were trying to do. Yeah. Basically trying to say, hey, here's this. My biggest bone to pick with this whole thing, they got to change the name of this fucking title. I hate the idea that there's a cruiserweight title. It's the only weight-restricted title in the company. And here's a fun fact for you because I, it bothered me so much that I actually dug into the numbers. Isaiah Swerve Scott is the third heaviest weight of every male on this card. He outweighs wow. contenders in the main event. The only two people who weigh more than him are Velveteen Dream, clocking in at wherever I can find it. I think it's 227. And Damian Priest clocking in at 248. Isaiah Scott is billed at 201. Escobar is at 198. Finn is at 199. And Kyle O'Reilly's at an even 200. So why are we presenting this in this cruiserweight style when both people in the main event picture on this particular card weigh less than the content, the number one contender in the cruiserweight match? So what do you think they should call it then? Because you already have the North American Championship. The TV title. Oh yeah, I think somebody needs a legitimate TV title. It has a, it's a concept that has not been used in a very long time. I think it could invigorate NXT, and to be quite frank, I think it could invigorate 205. I agree. I think if they were to rename that to something else, you could you could bring back a velocity type concept or something. But if you give yeah. somebody a good long 20 minute run on that belt, and it gets defended on the takeovers in that same fashion, I think that you eventually have main roster contenders that get built out of that. You do it like. No. Totally yeah, the TV title back in the day. You know? Yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't mind that at all. I like that idea. Totally. Um, 
Although I, I at the same time, like I don't really have a qualm with the cruiserweight title, only because like the NXT championship is the NXT championship. It's not the NXT heavyweight championship, you know. The North American championship is the, so it's like it's still fine. So like I I don't know as long as it's not like Damian Priest versus this guy for the cruiserweight title, that's that's fine to me. But I mean like I I, I I'm fine with the 205 weight limit. I really am. I think that that's okay, especially once you get. Um, I know it's it's like the NXT cruiserweight title, so you're not having like main roster guys. But I mean, when you do have guys come through like Braun Strowman or like Roman Reigns or like larger dudes, like they just don't they don't work the same style. It's almost like it's almost like the original how the original X division was like, okay, well this is supposed to be based on a style of wrestling, but then that all got fuddle fucked around and like it just became like it was like it had a name as the X division title, but like. What did it really mean by the end of it? You know what I mean? It Is like it still an title impact? Basically. They still have an X Division in impact? Yeah. yeah, still do, yeah. Jordan Grace almost won the title last night and lost it on a technicality, and now they have a six-way scramble at Bound for Glory. But the the big thing to me is I just don't – I mean, you got to have a differentiation in your divisions and what those titles mean. If your Cruiserweight title, you have two contenders that weigh either more or the same as your NXT championship – they're not wrestling a different style, really. I mean, like, these guys, yes, they went a little bit more lucha. Finn and Kyle, yes, they went a little stronger. We'll get to that. But in most instances, not really all that different. No, I and agree. I agree. I agree I with that. Having some differentiation, like a TV thing where you're required to go every week, you're, you know, there's no. some different thing to it. You build the stories different. I think that that's crucial. That's fair. That's fair. Well, let's uh, let's get on to the next one. The next uh, title up for grabs here is the NXT Women's Championship, and it's Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai. Uh, Wex, tell me what you felt about this one, man. I mean, it was a breath of fresh air for most of the women's matches I've been seeing lately, uh, and the poor women's divisions, and you know, Agreed. most of the, the main roster in an AEW. So. I thought it was a really good match. I mean, I've liked Candice LeRae since uh, the world's cutest tag team. Uh, we'll just pretend Joey Ryan doesn't exist, but uh, she uh, she's always been good, and her and Io Shirai work great together. Like, even though I kind of liked how Johnny Gargano, I like the the whole story added in there where he came in, they still tried to cheat, tried to heal it up, and he tried when the, the whole ref bump spot and everything. Like, I like that whole dynamic that worked really good to get like with the whole story and everything and. That sick ass Spanish flash she did immediately to the moonsault for the win. That was like, I don't know. I mean, if any any two males could have done that spot, like she could have did it just as good. Like it was fucking. It didn't matter who did that. Like she just fucking very nice. Yeah, Jesse, what do you think, man? This is a this is a D for me, dog. I didn't. Oh, I, didn't no. it. I was not into it. Uh, there are a couple of reasons why. The presentation of Larray right now, like they tried to put that Alexa Bliss light bullshit on Liv Morgan already. It, it's just not working for me. The it, I feel like they're pushing the Gargano way, like the last name thing, because there are two Johnnies in WWE that just change their last name depending on where they are. One's on SmackDown, one's on NXT, and so now they're trying to push like Gargano, Gargano, Gargano. Still, heels are losing, heels are losing, heels are losing. It just doesn't fucking add up to me. I don't like it at all. The ref bumps were impressive. Uh, the commentary sucked, which kind of ruined it for like, not, not all of it, but most, I mean, Vic Joseph, there was one particular spot. She goes into that wicked stepsister thing or whatever it is that she does. And he goes, she's going for a submission yet again. And then once she does the stomp, which you can clearly see is something that is a signature move of hers. He calls it by name, like by her name. 
I'm like, dude, have you just never seen the program before? And you just have a couple of notes like, oh, when she steps on the head, it's called this. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I, there, there was a lot of it that just didn't really uh, didn't really work for me. I also felt like it was the second women's title match on an NXT takeover in a row that was basically just made to provide for a return or a run in. You know, at In Your House, it was the Rhea Ripley deal. And on this one, it was the Tony Storm vignette and then the Ember Moon deal. I don't. I thought the match took second place to that. I didn't really dig it. I thought the finish was weak, honestly. Like, not because it wasn't spectacular in terms of what she did, but in terms of if you hit somebody in the head with a fucking title belt and it and they kick out, you mean to tell me that that moonsault gets it done? That to me, the psychology of it didn't really add up. But that's no, just I'm, me. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, okay, so for me, like. I am not a Candice LeRae fan at all. Like, I, 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 okay, let me tell you why. Like, okay, so I'm not really a big fan of CM Punk. And this is why. Because, like, the, there's there's guys that, or wrestlers, I should say, that you can see that have, like, put in the time and they work and they're, like, they get good. Like, they are good wrestlers. But you can also see that the basic things they do, like Irish whips, clotheslines, like any chain movement, everything looks so forced nothing is fluid because they're not actually athletes they're just they just fucking tried really hard and practiced really hard and so there's something to be said about that it's just i notice that shit and i hate it like so it's like like it's just like some people have it some people don't some people are great successful singers great successful bands that aren't really great musicians it happens a lot then you also have great musicians that can't write a good song to save their lives like it's the same type thing like like i feel like Candice LeRae does not have natural athleticism. I think that she has gotten good over years of wrestling, but I don't like every time she does the moves that like most wrestlers do dives, anything. It just looks so blocky and so chunky and so not fluid. Like same thing with CM Punk. I feel like he got super over cause he's one of the best talkers possibly of all time. And he could go in the ring, but like, it just all of his clotheslines felt forced and like just the way I don't know. It's just the, the, their movements and like I, I just it's I just don't like Candice LeRae. That being said, like this, I gave this match like a C plus and that's my lowest rated match of the night. Like I, I thought that she this is the best match I've seen her in in NXT period. I love Io Shirai and I do think she did a great job like essentially carrying Candice LeRae to a really great match in my opinion. Like that that's that's how I felt about this one. Um, as far as the returns, I was really bummed that it wasn't Bo Dallas because I feel yeah. like he really could have used the injection. Uh, I and I feel like he too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I love him. Yeah. I love, I mean, you could have had her, her return as well, but I really was hoping for, I was actually either hoping for Bo Dallas or James Devlin. Cause they said former NXT champion, he was the cruiserweight champion, never lost it. You know, I, th- I thought it was gonna be one of those two guys, but Ember Moon's cool. I'm glad to see her also in in that world again. I think that she will breathe some fresh air there, as well as Tony Storm for sure. The women's division right now definitely needs that boost. Um, but yeah, I was I just had my heart set on two other guys. Didn't get either one of them, so kind of a letdown for me. Uh, but what wasn't a letdown is the main event, boys. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. I will say that the package that they put together like the vignette package right before this with all the old indie stuff was phenomenal. I mean, really, really good work. The production was top notch, uh, regardless of what you want to say about storylines and booking in WWE, their production is still 
not even reachable by any other company. Um, and this had a lot to do with it. Overall, I thought the match was incredible. Um, I mean, there was some, I did notice that same damn sliding headlock spot that we had <laughs> talked about on the last show. Uh, every time I see it now, it's almost like I want to make it a part of our show, like take a drink when we talk about the sliding headlock. But, um, Cheers, but yeah, yeah, there we go. Cheers. Um, but yeah, man, this was a technical wrestling clinic. Um, of course, Finn goes over, but damn, I mean, there was a, there was a couple really good false finishes that I thought, hey, maybe they'll put it on O'Reilly just to like break up the undisputed era and make this weird thing happen. So like, the thought, the fact that they built him up that well to me, where there were a couple different false finishes in the match, and I was like, they're gonna do it. They're gonna let him. They're gonna let him win the title. Um, that just that speaks volumes to both guys and their work rate. It was really good. At a couple points in this match, like I stopped taking notes because I was really wrapped in it. And when you're super marks like us, that's very few and far between. For me, this was a four and a half star match. I loved it. I loved the physicality. I loved the fact that they legit beat the shit out of each other. Uh, Wes, what do you think about this one, man? Definitely my favorite match of the night. I, I'll definitely give it a a, a high A. Like, yeah. and it's. I want to say it's probably my favorite Finn Balor match that he's had since he came back and turned healed on NXT. Totally. Like he was just being so brutal and like totally. all heelish, like the little, the guitar spot with the arm. Like I thought that was like a nice little touch and Loved it. little like just, uh, and Kyle O'Reilly was just like, just showed like a lot of grit and everything was just like, it just seemed like, like, like they he really, like a real baby I don't know, face, like everything I've was like, I've never seen him work baby face like that. And I was so impressed by him, man. Like, so, I mean, I've, I've like, always loved him, but damn, like super impressed, man. I mean, like it, it felt, felt very ring of honor, new Japan, like just back, like, cause both of them and just, yeah. I, I loved it. It was very brutal, very hard, but like both guys killed it. Like I kind of like, I really wanted to see O'Reilly win, even though like, I, yeah, I, I love Finn Balor. I'm a Finn Balor mark. He's like, Probably my favorite wrestler in WWE, but like, good like Kyle. I mean, I mean Kyle O'Reilly was Ring of Honor champion. Like I think about so many wrestlers, like in that like literally everybody in Undisputed Era was Ring of Honor World Champion except for Bobby Fish. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was Roderick Strong? Was he ever World Champion? Yes, he was. Literally right before he left, they like gave him it to him almost as like a thank you. Like, yeah, I remember that specifically because I wasn't really a huge mark of ROH, but I remember watching that clip on YouTube and it being like super emotional because he had been in Ring of Honor for like over a decade yeah, and always been kind of an underneath guy. Yeah, his whole thing was Mr. ROH. That's like when that's why I'm like I'm glad when he joined Undisputed Era because he really had no identity in WWE. He was just like totally. I'm I'm Roderick Strong. Yeah, I'm very back girl. It was a mistake that worked out well. Like he, he he filled in for an injury and then just like it worked out really well. I, I totally enjoyed it. Jesse, what do you think about this one, man? I thought it was great. Um, the one thing that worried me watching it the whole time, and, and I guess kind of to some degree, maybe or maybe not, we don't know yet, has paid itself out. Both of these guys are injury prone, and True. the 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 way that they were working the entire time, I'm sitting there like. Good God, let's not let somebody miss another year of work. You know, and it, right. like there was just enough of it, which is a great feeling to have when you're watching a match like this because you are like they did work strong. You know, obviously they busted each other open in ways that were not meant to happen. <laughs> yeah. Nobody yeah. bladed their fucking mouth, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I guess you know there's there's some scuttlebutt that Finn might have broken his jaw. I don't think the jury's back on that one yet. Um, Kyle's but, fine though, by the way. That's he's good. 
I did see that. It, it, I saw a lot of the dirt sheet stuff saying that Finn went home early or whatever, and the finisher did seem a little abrupt. But at the same time, I mean, the match got a lot of time, and it felt like it told the right story to me. No, totally. Um, I felt yeah. I, I haven't seen a match in a long time that elevated a talent the same way that this elevated O'Reilly in terms of the NXT landscape. I think it did exactly what it set out to do. And it helped legitimize Finn in his role there as well, in my opinion. I thought it was great. I would go, we got to come up with another grade rating, guys. We got to do something that's not a letter and not stars. Like, I don't know if we do beers or what we do, but we got to have some beers. I like it. How many beers deep are you on this match? Uh, out of a six pack. Out of a six pack. How many? That's a that's a good one. That's a good. I gotta one. be honest. I, I'd probably you know I'd have to give it probably a good five and a half. I thought it did exactly yeah. what it set out to do. Um, five beers deep, working on six after this one, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was really uh, it, it. You know, you don't see two people positioned at the top of the card like this who both walk away looking better in a WWE main event very often. That's one hundred percent true. I totally agree, man. I totally agree. Well, overall, I think for this show, I'm definitely giving it uh, a thumbs up. If we're again, if you know, I, lo- I love the beer idea with the, out of the six pack. Let's do that. I think overall, I'm I'm at, I'm steady at five beers deep on this show. I loved it. I thought it was really good. It's one of the best shows that I've seen in a while, including some of the past couple AEW pay per views. I thought that this one was the best uh, pay per view, quote unquote, that I've seen in at least a few months. Uh, overall ratings from you guys. How many beers deep are you, Jesse? Man, I mean, I like out of everything I've seen this year, to be quite frank, I might have to go six. I think this might be yeah. like if, if you're looking, if you're talking That's a comprehensive, if you're talking a comprehensive show, I think this might be the best one I've seen all year. Wes, give it to me. I was gonna say about five beers, definitely five, five and a half, maybe because it's definitely short, sweet, to the point. Not too much filler, just wrestling. I actually wanted more at the end, which is yeah, something a, no, most yeah. – yeah, it's like it, I, that's something missing that. missing from wrestling shows these that's days. What, that's, that's the idea when you when you do a show is that after the, the main event's over, you want to you want the fans like leaving wanting more, and that yes. like, never yes. happens. Yeah, it's so sad, man. It's so sad. But you know what? You know what else is going to happen soon is the WWE draft. So we had actually kind of decided beforehand, since we plow through these shows pretty quickly, uh, the three of us are essentially starting our own uh, companies here. Okay, we're we're going to be having a draft of our own. We're going to get ten picks to start our own company. Ten picks from any wrestlers in any major company in the world, and uh, it's just like a draft. So it can't we can't have two of the same guy. Uh, I'm going to start, and then we're going to do a snake draft. So it'll be me. And Jesse, because he's got some seniority, and then Wes will be third, and then we'll oh, literally man. flip it back, flip it back and forth. So, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and start this one out. My number one draft pick is Maxwell Jacob Friedman. He's my number one pick. I am putting him down as my number one guy. Jesse, you are on the clock. I'm taking AJ Styles. Ooh, I love it. Okay, I love it. I love it. I love it. Wes, you're up, man. My number one draft pick is Kenny Omega. Okay. All right. All right. So Kenny is off the board, and we're in a snake draft, so you actually get two here. Yeah. So you're up with, uh, with your next pick. Number I'm two. Go next pick. I'm going to go, like I said, uh, I'm a mark for him, Finn Balor, number two. Finn Balor. Okay. Jesse, you're up. 
It's going to be a little bit out of left field for everybody, probably. But my number two is old Mance Warner, dude. Got, uh, damn it. I was going to get him later. Got me. Sorry, buddy. Like, I got I to gotta get him. The dude's got a big upside. It's one of the things. All right. Well, number two, number two for me, I know that I'm like, I know I sound like a super, super, like, AEW mark right now. My number two has got to be Cody. Um, got to have, like, those. that's my number one. Number two, heel baby face. Got to have those as my A guys. Uh, and then I'll actually get, I get my third pick right here. Uh, and so this is uh, one of the first WWE guys I'm going to take. It's, uh, it's Seth Rollins, because I do feel like if you're, he's booked the right way, he's one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world. So Seth Rollins for me. Jesse, you are up, buddy. Uh, this may surprise some people probably a little bit, but my number three, big believer, Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin Creed. Nice pick, dude. Nice pick. I honestly think that he's the sleeper, like, best member in New Day, in my opinion. Like, yep. overall. Like, I think that, I mean, granted, he hasn't been able to really work in the ring solo matches in a long time. Uh, but when he did, when he was a singles wrestler, he was killer, dude. Absolutely. That is as full as a Dwayne Johnson, in my opinion. Absolutely. I 100% agreed. 100% agreed. Wes, you're up, bro. Next pick. Uh, my next pick, I'm going with... Pentagon Jr. or Penta L Zero M, whichever you want to call him, for whichever company he's wrestling for at the moment. All right. But that's what I'm going with. Pentagon Jr. Okay. So after we get through these picks, we'll kind of talk about how we would book them first off, because I know we all have that in our head. Uh, we are plowing through this shit real quick. Jesse. Well, he gets his pick, fifth buddy. too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay, my next one, I'm going to go with... Uh, Ooh. Okay. okay. All yeah. right. I was on my reserves too. Your last two are on my reserves. I, I smell what you're stepping in. Okay. There we go. Jesse, you're up, bud. Number four. I'm sure neither one of you probably did this, so uh, it's cool. But my number four is Jordan Grace. I, mm, I did not. Nice. I didn't see that coming. You want to elaborate on that a little bit? Oh, we'll I, get think there. That, we'll, I, get there. I think she's a multi-tool player. Um, she's got the size that Unlike a lot of intergender wrestling matches, I think that she could be believable in almost any. Uh, she's a powerhouse, and in terms of women's wrestling matches, I think her psychology is there, her strength is there, her technicality is there. I just, I don't know. I think, you know, if she had the right mouthpiece, I think she'd be a much fuller package than she is currently at the moment in Impact, but I still think that she's at the top of the echelon. Like, Very fair. I love it. So for me, for my number four pick... I'm going with the WWE guy, but he's like the extremities of the WWE, I guess. Also one of the longest reigning champions for them, too, so it's kind of weird. Pete Dunne is my number four. Uh, I'm going to throw him in there. I feel like that dude is just like a megastar waiting to happen, and if he's pushed the right way, I could see sky's the limit for him. Uh, and since I get a back-to-back here, uh, I'm going to go Pete Dunne, and I'm going to go with another guy that's been in WWE, but he's just been poorly booked. But I think that when he's put in right situations, it's amazing, and that's Ricochet. He's my number five. I get that. Good pick. My number five is the machine gun, Carl Anderson. Wow. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I mean, okay. This was like a 2016 booking then maybe, but I don't know. I just don't think I, – I, I still think his singles has not been tapped the way that it has been ever since any of the G1. Oh, uh, for sure. I just I know. just fear that his, his, his best years have been used in this tag team. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't know if he could no, be – I don't think so. The machine gun again, if you will, but 
You know, you're, you're you know, who knows? Wes, you're up, bro. Number six. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Well, this is this is this is pick number five, right? It should be your number six. I think you got to do four and five before, right? Yeah, you did four and five back to back. And then we lined okay. up. And- Omega, Balor, Pentagon, Big E. And uh, I don't right. think I picked. Oh no, that's right. You did three, four, 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 and then we went back the same way. So you would be five and six here. All right, for number five, I'm gonna go with Jeff Cobb. It's solid. Because he can, he's he's fucking amazing. He can work heel or face. He's big. He can, I mean, he can just he can do it all. Yeah. And uh, for my number six, I'm gonna go with Tetsuya Naito. Okay. Okay. Uh, again, I would say a 2016 booking, but like I just I mean, I, he I, the, I, he's, the, he's the double champion still. So yeah, yes, but is that really out of performance or is it out of roster and necessity? I'm just being honest, just being honest. Hey, New Japan know. is not the same company as it was four or five years ago. It's just not. Sad. Nigel can go any can go oh, all for sure, time, so. for sure, for sure, for sure. Jesse, what you got, man? My number six is going to be. You're going to say the same goddamn thing, Schaefer. Uh, I'm going with Shinsuke. Okay. Ooh. All right. Hey, man, I picked Ricochet. He's been in WWE for a few years and been kind of quiet, so it's, you know, it's about the same. I understand. All right, well, over on my side, I actually, I'm, I'm, I counted, like, a tag team as, like, one pick. Because what? That's, uh, uh, that's C. Okay. Right. Can we if do that? Do Is that a thing? CD, man. Is that a thing? Should we be able to do that? I'd, I'd have done it different if I knew we could. I figured we were going single for single, but you do you. If we could, then I'm going to go probably, yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> All right, let's go tag teams here, because I feel like we'll probably do this again at some point. Um, I'm going to go FTR here for sure. Uh, they are, I mean, to me, I would I would rather have them over the Young Bucks. I would rather have them over pretty much any other tag team, just because I like that Southern-style, the Memphis-style tag team wrestling, and I think they're the best at it today. So for me, FTR is my tag team of choice. I'm going to pick them at six and then back to my number seven here. Um, ah, man, this is tough. This is a t- I feel like this is the sweet spot here. I'm going killer cross with, with my number seven. Wow. It's a good pick. Or carry and cross, whatever you want to call it. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. All right, Jesse, back to you, buddy. So my seven, in all honesty, um, and not not because of who else that I picked, but I'm thinking like interpromotional opportunities and just straight up carny shit, was going to be Gallows. But the thing is, had I known we could have done the fucking tag teams, he would have come right okay, along so with we'll Machine just, Gun. So we'll just switch it. We'll just switch it. All right, so your, your Machine Gun was actually the Good Brothers. We'll just call it that. Yeah, sure. And, uh, but I must emphasize that the reason I want Gallows is specifically because of the interpromotional carny shit. Carney. Like, <laughs> I've, I've got a lot of admiration for that. So my number seven is going to switch uh, and go kind of a different way. I'm going Swerve. Oh, Isaiah nice. Scott. He's, on my, he's well, in my reserve, well, too. I'd say, I'd, say, I'd say Shane Strickland, but, you know. I do, I do too. But, oh, you know, for the sake of the fact that we just covered NXT. That's fair. That's fair. We'll go with Swerve there. All right. All right, Wes, you're up. You got two in a row here. Two in a row, so eight and nine. I guess I'm going to choose both of these back-to-back, and they're both for the seven same. Seven and eight, right? What? Seven and eight. Oh, no. Yes. No. This. Oh, it has to be seven and eight. Seven and eight. So if we're gonna do tag teams, I'm gonna go the opposite of you. I'm gonna go Young Bucks because they're my favorite tag team. Even though I do Fair. love FTR, I fucking love the Young Bucks. I can call me a Young Bucks Mark because I am. I've. Yeah. Being the elite. 
yeah, subscriber. I, mean, I just they, I love watching them work. I mean, they're clearly a throwback to like, you know, the the rockers and all like the classic like classic great tag teams. And I just, I've always been a big mark for them, so I'm definitely gonna go with them at number seven and number eight. I'm gonna go Jungle Boy. Oh, you soggy <laughs> son of a bitch! All right, all right, okay. I love that all you right. got mad about that. It's great. All right, well, well, yeah, that he was literally my next pick, but yeah, I'll, I won't, I won't scramble too far for it. All right, Jesse, who you got, man? My number eight is Shotzi Blackheart. Okay. Oh, okay. All right, I like that. I got Jordan Grace. I got to answer with something. You know what I'm saying? I hear you. I hear you. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. Okay, that's fair. All right, so I'm coming in at eight and nine here. And uh, my number eight is also uh, the woman to carry the banner for my company. Call me a mark. Call me what you will. But I'm going Charlotte Flair, number eight, for sure. Uh, just, I mean, the weight of the name. She's she's is the best at what she does. So Charlotte Flair for me, for sure. And then my number nine, um, a guy that we kind of covered uh, but you know, you guys thought he's might his character might be in question. You know, it is what it is. But Velveteen Dream is actually my number nine. I'm gonna put him on my list. I really like him. I think that he's a bona fide star. I think he's a great talker, and that's kind of underrated at this point. So, Jesse, what you got for me, man? All right. Um, my number nine. I wrestled with this one quite a bit, uh, to be honest. No pun intended. Uh, well, I intended it fully. Um, <laughs> Go with Davy Boy Smith Jr. Okay, Ooh. all right, that's okay. Yeah, yeah, he was on. He was like right up there on my list. Yeah, lots of stuff, but you know, okay. Wexley, you're on nine and ten, my friend. Yeah, buddy. So last two, it's gonna be hard to make these last two choices, but for nine and ten, I think I'm gonna go Adam Cole and Adam Page. Ooh, you. Son of a bitch. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I, don't I feel like how neither of those guys have been chosen already, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Cole was gonna be my sleeper pick, but uh, guess not now. Yeah. Uh, I think Adam Page has like all the potential in the world right now. He just no, I for sure. People. I love everything. I love. The, I still love the whole storyline. Like it's probably one of those the most lengthy storylines they have going on right now. No, it's great. I think that they're doing a great job booking him, and I think the sky is the limit for him for sure. Jesse, where you at, man? My number 10 is going to be a little bit more obscure, which is the reason I saved it for number 10. It's not a blockbuster. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Chris Dickinson, who has done a lot with GCW and beyond and a lot of other places. Um, he has not yet permeated the all-the-way-on-screen business uh with major label tv networks and whatnot but i think that that dude has superstar written all over him and he's a sleeper guy and if i'm gonna build somebody it would probably be that dude yeah i agree man i bet after this weekend that might be a a big boost for him since he's facing your boy mox which no one has chose yet either which not 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 in my top fifty, bro. Uh, yeah, I know that's what it was more. It was it was more of a joke. But it is it is kind of telling because I'm gonna go with 
The tribal chief at number ten, man. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna bring the heat. I'm gonna go ahead and pick up Roman Reigns at number ten if I'm starting my company this way. He's the immediately going to be in the role that Chris Jericho played in AEW. He's gonna be the guy that just wins the title right off, and people are just pissed about it. And then everybody else is the big underdog. And then when they do finally go over, whether it's Cody or uh, you know Pete Dunne or who or Ricochet or whatever, they're made for that entire title run. So uh, my plans in booking this, by the way, like. I mean, the, at least based out of the picks, out of the ones that I didn't actually get, um, I, would, I would put Roman Reigns on top right away. Uh, but obviously, Cody is going to be my main, my primary babyface long term. And MJF is really going to be the heel champ that stays like stays champ. He's going to be my flair. He's going to be the guy that everybody's chasing because everybody else under here, including Seth Rollins, has has uh, babyface capabilities. You know, Pete Dunne, Ricochet, uh, Velveteen Dream even. I kind of mentioned how I felt like he could do a, have a great babyface run. I feel like that's how I would book my territory. Jesse, what would you do with your 10, man? Man, uh, so Styles, I think, is coming in as the guy. Um, but I, I want heel Styles. I want arrogant vet heel Styles yeah. as my champ. Uh, I think Xavier is the face chasing him. And I see Love a it. lot of co-branded weird things where they get into the video game culture they get into the nerd culture they do all kinds of things that could bring different eyes to what we're doing in a feud i think there's a lot of money in that um obviously jordan and shotzi in it for the women's championship for a long time i think that uh manser and davy boy smith jr and shinsuke all kind of have different realms of being in strong style able to work with each other you incorporate chris dickinson as a powerhouse into that thing you get a lot of meat on the bone there uh primarily i'm thinking mancer and shinsuke and davy boy and dickinson but then that leaves uh swerve an odd matchup but i thought it out a whole lot but i think swerve and machine gun oh that could be dope that you could know, be really I, cool i think there's a lot of if meat you on get the, the machine if you get the machine gun then yeah that would be really cool yeah 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 but, I mean, and you you got tag opportunities for stuff like that, too. I mean, you could do yeah. Swerve and Woods on the Good Brothers. Oh, yeah. you could do, I mean, there's all kinds of shit. But, I mean, primarily, at the top, it's Styles and Woods. For sure, for sure. Wexley, where are you at? What are you doing with your 10? So, definitely, my top big baby face will be Big E. Like, he'd be definitely be like the big baby face. And then the top heel definitely would probably start out with Kenny Omega doing the cleaner shit because – that's the best Kenny Omega thing he does, which I wish he would go ahead and switch over to that. And Pentagon Jr. can definitely be a solid heel. Jeff Cobb also, but then like Hangman could also be a good baby face. Naito definitely could work. I mean, he's kind of that tweener. He can work heel or baby face. And I just, I mean, imagine Pentagon versus Naito. They could beat the shit out of each other. Naito oh, yeah. versus Big E. He could yeah. like, because Naito will just take like the most yeah. brutal bumps you've ever seen. And, like, you could definitely do something. The Young Bucks, you know, maybe a feud against Kenny Omega and Finn Balor, like Bullet Club leaders versus the Young Bucks, like a inter-crew yeah. inter feud. I mean, there's a lot of things I could do. I mean, and, of course, I mean, Adam Cole could somehow be tossed in the mix with that whole, like... Could be babyface, could possi- be heel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Endless, endless possibility, especially, I mean... Spe- ooh, Jeff Cobb versus Big E. Oh, my oh. God. Money. That's money right there. That's money. 
Well, boys, I think we all have uh, pretty good territories. I think we all I think we all booked uh, a pretty good pretty good card there. Did all did all right on our draft. Hopefully, uh, the WWE doesn't drop the ball and fuck theirs up like we know they probably will. Uh, oh, yeah. But then also too, we'll, we'll we'll have to count the weeks and see how long it lasts before they just start blending talent again, and it doesn't really matter who's on what show. Is it the uh, wild card rule? Is that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the fuck it's called. It's stupid, but but yeah, man, that's gonna do it for us this week. The current topic, kayfabe crew coming at you next week. It's gonna be me and Benji Brown watching one of the worst pay per views in all time in WCW's Halloween Havoc 1998. Oh, that wow. one is going to be super fun to just get drunk and cover with my friend. Uh, we might even actually put some uh, some uh, drinking games in there as well. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, the week after that is going to be uh, the happy hour with the KG Castle. Lush is coming back. We're going to do Nintendo, the NES versus Super Nintendo trivia questions in that happy hour. And then the last week of October, hopefully I'll get the kayfabe crew boys back here and we'll be covering Hell in a Cell. Uh, and I'm sure we'll come up with something else clever to put on the end of the show, too, to kind of give you guys some entertainment there towards the end. Boys, what would you think about the show, man? I thought it was solid. Solid. Real good time. Real good time. I'd like yeah. to uh, take a split second here to plug Wexley and I, October 30th, Revive Pro Wrestling presents Bump in the Night 2 at the Stables Event Space in Centerville, Tennessee. Uh, there's a lot to talk about on this card. Wex, you want to take a shot? Yeah, we got a. Uh, I think about five, five to six matchups. I'm, I might be getting the number wrong, but uh, the main event. I'll talk. Go ahead and talk about that. It's going to be the main event for the revived title, uh, a casket match. I think the, for the first time ever in revived wrestling, a casket match. The champion Uncle Biff is going up against James Bandy. That's been like an ongoing feud going on for like the past couple months, and this is the final big blow off. Yeah, man, we got. Um... The King of the Canvas champion, Andrew Thomas, is defending that title against Nashville's own one-half, well, one-third, one-half, whichever way you want to look at it, of the Carnies. Carrie Awful, the love captain of Crux Wrestling himself, uh, they, that's bound to be a barn burner. That's going to be a fantastic match. We've got a women's matchup with Charlie Punk against Billy Starks. Billy Starks has been burning it up on the indies. I think that's going to be stellar. we got Lutha X versus Jeremiah Plunkett which is going to be absolutely great. Lutha and Plunkett are both big, hostile, ready-to-roll type motherfuckers. Uh, we got Brian Pillman Jr. that you may or may not have seen, of AEW Dynamite, AEW Dark, up against Alex Kane, the suplex assassin from Suplex Island himself, who just had a fantastic showing right. at the Scenic City Futures Tournament, courtesy of Action Wrestling and TWE down in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And a tag match. Wes, you want to talk about tag match a little bit? Uh, the tag match is going to be the Gotch Brothers going up against Paradise Lost, the Adam McCormick, the last hero, and Brent Powers. And that's also been an ongoing few going up for the last time. We had uh, one half of the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and his son, Carrie. They came and tagged. And uh, Paradise Lost uh, defeated them in the match, or yeah, defeated them in the matchup, in order, like basically to set up this matchup coming up at the Bump in the Night 2. And they're going to blow off a little steam. There's a little hostility between the groups. So, you know, it'll be a good matchup. I think all in all, what we're looking at, this happens at the Stables event space in Centerville, Tennessee. It is just under an hour outside of Nashville, Tennessee. It's $10. It's all ages. So you can bring all of the kiddos. Treat bags available for kids. There's a kid's costume contest. Plenty of concessions. Best of all, 
done right around 9 or 9.30, so you can get back in town in time for last call. So please join us. Revive Pro Wrestling. Check it out all over the interwebs, wherever you find wrestling. You better yeah, come man. and find you. Ooh. Mm, I love it. Nice little tagline there, too, in true pro wrestling form. Also, since we're doing shameless plugs, the song that you're hearing right now is off of my band Rise the Wake's brand new EP. So enjoy the song. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. All right. Peace.